If you've ever wondered what it takes to build a successful book coaching business, listen up. Author Accelerator just published an ebook that takes you behind the scenes of my book coaching journey to give you a sneak peek into how I started and grew my business. And if you grab a copy today, you'll get an extra special invite to listen in on a conversation between myself and Jenny Nash, the CEO of Author Accelerator, for all the juicy details on Tuesday, June 11th. To grab this free ebook and get a behind-the-scenes look at what it takes to build a successful coaching business, go to savannagilbo.com forward slash coach. Sometimes there's a secret that acts as a MacGuffin, and once the protagonist figures it out, they can identify the criminal. Sometimes the MacGuffin is something like a diamond or a code or, I don't know, it could really be anything. It's just whatever the antagonist is pursuing. And whatever it is, the crime at the beginning of the story usually is going to contain a clue as to what the antagonist's MacGuffin and their motives are. Welcome to the Fiction Writing Made Easy podcast. My name is Savannah Gilbo, and I'm here to help you write a story that works. I want to prove to you that writing a novel doesn't have to be overwhelming. So each week, I'll bring you a brand new episode with simple, actionable, and step-by-step strategies that you can implement in your writing right away. So whether you're brand new to writing or more of a seasoned author looking to improve your craft, this podcast is for you. So pick up a pen and let's get started. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the conventions of the crime genre. So these are the character roles, settings, and events that need to be present in a crime story in order for it to work and to satisfy fans of the genre. I'm also going to show you how these genre conventions show up in the movie Knives Out. So if you're writing a crime story, this episode is for you. And if not, don't worry because I've already covered a lot of the other genres and I'm going to finish covering the other genres very soon. Now, before we dive into the conventions, let's talk about what makes a crime story or what makes the crime genre unique. Crime stories are all about the quest to either solve or commit a crime. So these stories start with a crime, they build with an investigation or a completion of the crime, and they end with identifying and bringing the criminal to justice or not. In something like a mystery, the protagonist must wade through a closed circle of suspects, each with a credible motive and a reasonable opportunity to commit the crime, to make sense of the clues, and to solve the puzzle. In something like a caper or a heist story, the protagonist will want to avoid capture and being brought to justice by outsmarting the cop or detective assigned to stop them. Beyond that, crime stories can have any tone or style, be set in any time or place, and have various levels of romance, action, adventure, or magic. They can include different subplots too, as long as the protagonist's mission to solve or commit a crime remains the story's focus. Now, why do people read these types of books? Why do people read crime fiction? Readers choose these type of stories because they want to feel that sense of anticipation and intrigue over whether the criminal will be brought to justice or not. They want to follow the trail of clues, they want to make meaning of those clues, and they want to figure out the puzzle right alongside the protagonist. By the end of these stories, most readers want to feel a sense of comfort, relief, and security when justice is served and order has been restored. So they want to see the wrongs righted, and they want to see justice prevail. And like all genre fiction, you have to deliver the emotional experience that readers are looking for in order for your story to work. So how do you go about doing that? Well, the first thing you can do is figure out what obligatory scenes and conventions are required in a crime story for it to work. And in case you've never heard these terms before, conventions are a reasonably well-defined set of roles, settings, micro-events, and circumstances that are specific to a genre. 
So they're the things that readers intuitively expect to be present in a work of genre fiction, whether they consciously realize it or not. Obligatory scenes are the key events, decisions, and discoveries that move a protagonist along their journey from A to Z. And when coupled with your genre's conventions, they help you write a story that works and they help you evoke specific emotional reactions in your readers. So like I mentioned today, we're going to look at the conventions of the crime genre, and we're going to look at how they show up in the movie Knives Out. And if you're wondering why I'm doing this with a movie and not a book, it's just because movies require less of a time investment, and I'm hoping that you've either seen the movie Knives Out or that you'll at least watch it either before or after listening to this episode to help cement these key genre conventions in mind. And of course, you can and should study these conventions and how they show up in your favorite crime novels, but for today, we're just going to look at them in a movie. As I go through these conventions, I want you to consider why each of these roles or settings or micro-events or circumstances would need to be present in a crime story or what purpose they serve in the overall narrative. My hope is that you're going to notice each of these conventions has a really specific reason why it needs to be there. And because of that, you can use these conventions plus the key scenes of the crime genre to help you either craft an outline or a first draft of a story that works. Now, one more thing before we dive in, I have created a cheat sheet that goes along with today's episode, and it just lists out all these conventions for the crime genre. So if you want to get your hands on that, you can go to savannahgilbo.com forward slash crime. So one more time, if you want to get a cheat sheet with all of these conventions listed out, go to savannahgilbo.com forward slash crime. And with all that being said, let's dive into the conventions of the crime genre. Convention number one is that there's a crime with at least one victim that launches the investigation. So the inciting crime in a crime story is the event that fuels the entire plot. It creates the central conflict that launches the investigation, and it sends the protagonist on a quest to find out who done it. Victims of this crime could include dead bodies, missing persons, or hostages, or really anyone who's on the receiving end of the antagonist's crime. Now, on the flip side of this, if you're writing a caper or a heist story, you would just flip this around. So consider how you could meet this convention of a crime with at least one victim that launches an investigation or that launches, I guess, the police or detectives or whoever's on the opposing side of your protagonist who's the criminal. Just consider how you could meet this convention from their perspective, which is usually the opposite perspective. So in our case study, Knives Out, this convention is met when somebody murders the wealthy crime novelist Harlan Thrombey. So again, this is convention number one. There's a crime with at least one victim that launches the investigation. Convention number two is that the protagonist is intelligent and determined to solve the crime. At the heart of every crime story is a protagonist who's either determined to solve the crime or determined to commit the perfect crime. A protagonist who's determined to solve the crime is seeking justice. So after they learn about the inciting crime, they're going to follow a trail of clues to uncover who done it. And while they do that, they're going to be put in situations that test their intellect and their ingenuity and force them to tread a path between haste and care. Now, depending on the story, this person could be someone like a brilliant detective, an amateur investigator, or just an average citizen who's intent on solving the case and bringing the antagonist to justice. In many cases, the protagonist of a crime story usually has some kind of backstory that connects them to the crime or the killer, and they usually have a motive that explains why solving this case is important to them. Now, on the flip side of this, if you're writing a caper or a heist story, again, we just want to flip this around. So in a caper or a heist story, the protagonist will be the one who is committing the crimes. So just keep that in mind. 
Now, in our case study, uh, Knives Out, Benoit Blanc is a brilliant, well-known detective. He's personally connected to Harlan's murder because, A, somebody mailed him the newspaper clipping and some money, essentially hiring him to figure it out, and B, because Benoit's father knew and respected Harlan. I'd say there's also another protagonist in this story, and that is Marta, who is Harlan's nurse. Marta thinks she's responsible for Harlan's death, and therefore, at this point in the story, she's determined to not be found out. So she thinks she's the criminal. We'll find out later that she's not, but from her perspective, she's presenting as the criminal because she's trying really hard to not get caught. She's trying to outsmart Benoit and all that fun stuff. So that is convention number two, a protagonist who's intelligent and determined to either solve the crime or commit the perfect crime and not get caught. Convention number three is that there is an equally smart or crafty antagonist who seems to be a step ahead of the protagonist the whole time. So because the antagonist is smart and crafty and one step ahead the whole time, this is what's going to provide the challenge for your protagonist and a lot of the central conflict, right? But by the end, in most cases, they are going to be brought to justice. On the flip side of this, if your protagonist is the criminal, then the antagonist is going to be an equally smart or crafty detective or police officer or whatever you have in your story. So in our case study, Knives Out, the antagonist is Ransom, and he is very smart and crafty. Even Harlan says at one point that Ransom is confident and plays life like it's a game without consequence. He almost gets away with framing Marta for Harlan's death, but luckily Benoit and Marta are smarter. So that's convention number three. There's an equally smart or crafty antagonist who seems to be a step ahead of the protagonist the whole time. Convention number four is that there is a closed circle of suspects, each with a credible motive and a reasonable opportunity to commit the crime. So crime stories need a closed circle of suspects, each with a credible motive and a reasonable opportunity for committing the crime. And the protagonist will need to rule them out one by one to identify the antagonist and bring them to justice. If you're writing a caper or a heist story, you would just flip this around. So the closed circle of suspects would essentially become the people that your protagonist surrounds themselves with. In our case study Knives Out, pretty much everybody in the house is a suspect and Benoit has to rule them out one by one. On the day of his death, Harland threatened to expose his son-in-law Richard for cheating on his daughter Linda. He cut off his daughter-in-law Joni's allowance for stealing from him. He fired his son Walt from the publishing company, and he had an altercation with his grandson Ransom. Beyond that, Marta had access to his medicine. So they all seem to have motive and opportunity, and Benoit must rule them out one by one to solve the crime. So that's convention number four, a closed circle of suspects, each with a credible motive and a reasonable opportunity to commit the crime. Convention number five is that there is a MacGuffin or a very specific thing that the antagonist is trying to get, accomplish, or achieve throughout the story. And there needs to be a plausible reason for why they want this specific thing too. Sometimes there's a secret that acts as a MacGuffin, and once the protagonist figures it out, they can identify the criminal. Sometimes the MacGuffin is something like a diamond or a code or, I don't know, it could really be anything. It's just whatever the antagonist is pursuing. And whatever it is, the crime at the beginning of the story usually is going to contain a clue as to what the antagonist's MacGuffin and their motives are. So looking at our case study, Knives Out, the family all wants Harlan Thromby's money. They're all hoping to be left access to his estate and everything that comes with it. So the money and his estate, that is the MacGuffin, and it's what Marta is rewarded with at the very end. 
So that is convention number five. There's a MacGuffin or a very specific thing that everybody seems to want. Convention number six is that there's a sidekick character who acts as a sounding board for the protagonist. So the crime protagonist can have one or multiple sidekicks, and these people often act as a sounding board for the protagonist, and they help bring the criminal to justice. They can also provide interpersonal conflict in the moments when the protagonist is not actively engaged in solving the crime. They can also act as heralds who remind the protagonist what's at stake and how dangerous everything is. They can be part of a friendship or a romantic subplot or anything like that. If you're writing a caper or heist story, this would just be the person or the people who help your protagonist commit the crime. So in our case study, Knives Out, Benoit has two detectives working alongside him to solve Harlan's murder. He also has Marta's help and can bounce ideas off her and get information from her too. So that is convention number six, a sidekick character who acts as a sounding board for the protagonist. Convention number seven is that there are clues and red herrings that help or hurt the investigation. So throughout the story, the protagonist is going to need to follow a trail of clues to figure out who done it and to bring the criminal to justice. Some of these clues will be true, meaning they lead the protagonist closer to the truth, but most are probably going to be dead ends or red herrings that misdirect the protagonist and the reader. If you're writing a caper or a heist story, you would just flip this around. So potentially your protagonist or the criminal is either leaving these clues, whether on purpose or on accident, or they're following their own set of clues to carry out the crime. Depends on the specifics of your story. In our case study, Knives Out, there are plenty of clues and red herrings. The family's individual accounts of what happened, there's security tapes, there are footprints in the mud, there are pieces of the wooden trellis that lead up to a trick window inside the house, Um, there's a medical building that burns down, there's a toxicology report, there is all kinds of stuff. So those are all the clues and red herrings that Benoit and Marta eventually have to wade through to figure out who killed Harlan. So that's convention number seven. There are clues and red herrings that help or hurt the investigation. Convention number eight is that there is a ticking clock by which the protagonist must solve or commit the crime. Without some kind of ticking clock, the story could, in theory, go on forever. So you need a deadline. And whatever that deadline is, it has to be crystal clear to the protagonist and readers because this is what raises the tension and the stakes. And normally, ticking clocks kick into gear at the midpoint, but that is not a hard and fast rule. If you're writing a caper or a heist story, you just flip this around, so there's a ticking clock by which the protagonist must commit the crime. Now, in our case study, Knives Out, the reading of the will starts a ticking clock, because once the family learns that Harlan left everything to Marta, they want her to give it all up, and they start taking action to try to get her to give everything up. There's also the note from someone who's trying to blackmail Marta that serves as a ticking clock for her. So that's convention number eight. There's a ticking clock by which the protagonist must either solve or commit the crime. Convention number nine is that there's a speech in praise of the antagonist that shows their brilliance. And this is when a character talks about how brilliant, strong, powerful, or smart the antagonist is. This could be shown uh, via a conversation between two characters. It could be shown through letters or a newspaper article. It could be shown on TV during a news broadcast or really anything like that. It could also happen in the form of a revelation where the protagonist pieces together bits of information that confirms to themselves that the antagonist is smart, strong, powerful, or brilliant. And if you're writing a caper or a heist story, this would just probably be a speech in praise of the detective or the cop because they are your criminal's antagonist. 
So in our case study, Knives Out, this is where Harlan delivers a speech in praise of Ransom. He says, there is so much of me in that kid. He's confident and stupid, protected, playing life like a game without consequence. At another point in the story, he also expresses how good Ransom is at the game Go. And the game Go in this story is a game that requires really intelligent players to win. So that is convention number nine, a speech in praise of the antagonist that shows their brilliance. Convention number 10 is that there is at least one shapeshifter character. And a shapeshifter is someone who says one thing and does another, and usually their behavior or influence directly impacts the protagonist's ability to figure out who done it. Or in the case of a caper or heist story, it would impact their ability to carry out this crime. In our case study, Knives Out, Marta is a great example of a shapeshifter who directly impacts Benoit's ability to solve the case with her actions. We learn that Marta was in cahoots with Harlan and is responsible for his murder, or so she thinks. The family as a whole could be considered shapeshifters too. They turn on Marta after Harlan's will is read. Ransom is also another shapeshifter who goes from a delinquent to helping Marta to becoming the prime suspect. So that is convention number 10. There's at least one shapeshifter character. And there you have it. Those are the conventions of the crime genre. And if you're thinking, okay, yes, some of these were a little obvious. Again, you would be surprised how many drafts I see that are missing these conventions or that don't include them in a meaningful way. You might also be thinking, okay, these sound good, but I don't want to write a story that is cliche or predictable or full of tropes. And if you're feeling that way, I would encourage you to go listen to episode number 16. That's all about the difference between genre conventions and tropes. In a nutshell, including these genre conventions in your story isn't going to make it cliche or predictable in a bad way. They're just going to help you write a piece of genre fiction that works. The way that you deliver these conventions can fall into cliche territory if you don't put your unique spin on them. But again, you can learn more about that in episode number 16, which I will link to in the show notes for easy access. So before I let you go, let's quickly recap what the conventions of the crime genre are. Convention number one is that there's a crime with at least one victim that launches an investigation. Convention number two is that the protagonist is intelligent and determined to either solve or commit a crime, depending on the type of story you're writing. Convention number three is that there's an equally smart or crafty antagonist who seems to be a step ahead of your protagonist the whole time. Convention number four is that there's a closed circle of suspects, each with a credible motive and a reasonable opportunity to commit the crime. Convention number five is that there's a MacGuffin or a very specific thing that the antagonist wants. Convention number six is a sidekick character who acts as a sounding board for the protagonist. Convention number seven is that there are clues and red herrings that either help or hurt the investigation. Convention number eight is that there's a ticking clock by which the protagonist must either solve or commit the crime. Convention number nine is that there's a speech in praise of the antagonist that shows their brilliance. Convention number 10 is that there is at least one shapeshifter character present. And as a quick reminder, if you want to get the cheat sheet that goes along with this episode that lists out these conventions, go to savannahgilbo.com forward slash crime and you can download the cheat sheet there. So one more time, savannahgilbo.com forward slash crime. And another quick reminder, these conventions are the elements that readers are coming to crime stories for. So they really do need to be in your story. It's what makes the crime genre different than other genres, and it's what makes readers love these type of stories. For example, I personally love to figure out which clues are true clues and which ones are red herrings. 
as a reader, this is so fun for me and I could probably sit back and think about it and analyze it all day. But if I picked up a crime story and there were not red herrings or anything, you know, for me to figure out or try to figure out before the detective does, I would be really disappointed and it would take all the fun out of reading a story like this. So to make a long story short, don't leave these conventions out. Instead, find a way to give them to readers in new and unexpected ways and you will gain fans for life. And that's the dream, right? So that's it for today's show. As always, I want to thank you so much for tuning in and showing your support. If you want to check out any of the links I mentioned in this episode, you can find them over at savannagilbo.com forward slash podcast. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show because there's going to be another brand new episode coming out next week. If you're an Apple user, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave a quick rating and review. Your ratings and reviews tell iTunes that this is a podcast that's worth listening to. And in turn, that helps this show get in front of more fiction writers just like you. So that's it for today's show. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, happy writing.